Beloved congregation, please turn with me again in your Bibles to the portion that we read together, Ephesians chapter 5. We'll read again the last part of verse 33 and also verse 22. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then verse 33b, he says, And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Beloved congregation, you've probably heard the well-known, oft-quoted saying of Matthew Henry about the creation of woman. It's a wonderful quote. This is what he says. The woman was made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected by him, and near his heart to be loved by him. What a beautiful picture that paints, reflecting the wisdom of God in creating the woman for the man, giving her to him in dignity and nobility. Here is the man, Adam. He's the crown of God's creation, the king over God's perfect world, and God gives to him Eve, a woman, taken from his side to take her place at his side as a queen. The account there in Genesis is clear. Adam was incomplete without her. She completes him. And as these two, since then, man and woman, husband and wife, relate together in the married state. We saw last week how God has identified two key words. One for him to summarize his role and attitude and actions towards her. That key word is love. Husbands, love your wives. And the other key word for her, to summarize her role and attitude and actions towards him, and that is submission. So let's turn this morning to hear what the Lord says. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, or the word reverence in verse 33. Well, what does the Lord mean with this word? Notice the question is not, what does this word mean to you? All of us, men and women, have certain ideas about what submission means. We might be right, we might be wrong, it doesn't matter. The world has its opinions about whether a woman and submission should be mentioned in the same sentence. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. The question is, what does God intend when he uses this word? He's the one who designed us. He put us together. He gave us life. He made us tick. He knows us best. And God says, wives, submit yourselves. And he means something by that. It's not, as some would paint it, a cruel sabotage of female dignity. It's not a crude band-aid slapped on God's created order since the fall. It's not a splint tacked onto marriage to make it work between two sinners. Submission is a ground-up 
perfectly thought through design feature that no marriage coach has been able to best. And yet this word is probably the most misunderstood word in the entire Bible today. It's despised, it's abused by some men, it's therefore feared by some women. It can be an embarrassing hot potato in social settings. It has been the subject of apologies and bumbling explanations. Some people bristle at it. Others just ignore it because they can't really explain it. But if God designed it, it must be good. It must be life-enhancing. It must give joy to relationships. Because God commands it. Submission, contrary to what many people think, has nothing at all to do with being inferior. This design of God is not intended to relegate a woman, the wife, to some lower class position of servitude or silence. And we can defend that quite easily, because maybe you've never thought of it this way, but God has commanded submission to men as well. Submission is not just for women, it's also for men. Think of the elders in a church setting. 1 Peter 3, verse 5, Peter tells the young men in the church to submit to the older men. Here we have a relationship, the church leaders to the men and women of the congregation, and we have submission. Direct command, submit yourselves, and nobody blinks. Over here is a man with a wife and several children, and we think he's the king of his kingdom. Nobody can tell him what to do. He needs submit to nobody. It's not true. He too has to submit to the civil government of the land. If he rear-ends someone on the way to work, he can't say, well, you can't tell me what to do, I'm king. Nope, he has to pay. And nobody says, what's with this submission? Same with his employer. You see, this isn't first of all about women, it's about God's world being built on authority structures all around us. And in all of these different areas and different ways, submission is this. A simple definition. It's to recognize and yield to God's order of authority. It's interesting that the Greek word for submit in this chapter comes from the military world. It means to place yourself in rank under. Whether that's to the elders or to your employer or to your husband in marriage. That is to recognize God's authority structure and to yield, to give deference to that authority structure. You see, now right away, it's not about the man. It's about the authority structure. And that tells us this has nothing to do with being inferior. A soldier doesn't think he's inferior to his platoon commander. He just has a different role. Same with wives. Submission is not a relegation to inferiority. It's not what God intends. But let's take another example positively to see what God means by submission, to help us get a picture in our, in our minds. Take a tandem bike. We've all seen a tandem bike, two people riding one bike. And the very nature of a tandem bike is that two people are involved in pedaling the same bike frame into motion. That's a picture of marriage. It takes two both working to move towards the same goal. But the rear rider doesn't have the ability to steer. 
Instead, the rear rider submits to the steering decisions of the front rider. Now imagine if you were to say, well, I don't like that. I'm going to modify this bike to add a steering column from the back handlebars to the back wheel so that I can steer too from the back. Well, the results would be catastrophic. You could maybe make it work for a while, but the moment each sets their own course, the whole thing will crash. So is the submission of the rear rider to the steering decisions of the front rider a bad thing or a good thing? Does it mean the rear rider is inferior? No. It's the way the bike was designed. It's good. Think of biblical submission like that. It's, not a, it's a good thing. The Lord calls a wife to submit herself to reverence, and the word means to respect, to show honor to her husband. To look up to him as the one in whom God has invested authority in the marriage relationship. Whether the man likes it or not, whether the woman likes it or not, God has placed that authority, that responsibility of leadership on the man. It's a great responsibility. That that means that there's a wife who is ruling it over her husband, crossing his will, silencing his voice, dictating decisions. She's not contradicting him, but God himself. And every time a a wife works with, defers to her husband, it shows respect to the order that God has created. Look at Luke 2, verse 51. Let's turn there for a minute. Luke chapter 2, and at verse 51. This is after Jesus, as a 12-year-old boy, is in the temple, and his parents find him, and they ask him what he's been doing here, and he tells them he was about his father's business. And then in 51, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. Same word. If anything, Joseph and Mary were inferior to Jesus by a long shot. And yet the Son of God places himself in rank under his parents. Why? Because he recognized God's authority structure and he yielded to it. And so this is a voluntary acceptance, recognizing and yielding of God's authority structure. You know, God instructs a man to love his wife and a wife to honor her husband because he knows that's what the other needs most. Husbands, you probably don't really need your wife to tell you three or four times a day that she loves you or to show you. He, she does. And God has wired the husband to be fueled by, you could say, to be driven by, motivated by, a wife who looks up to him, who honors him in that position. And now in this area of submission, the man who is being invested with authority by God 
would be a fool to abuse that authority. That's obvious. To get his way. He will answer to God for that. Because he's called to love her. And that's not loving her. That's the opposite, which we saw last week, is not hatred, but indifference. When he says, I don't care about you, we're doing it my way. That's tyranny. So wives, you're called by God to submit yourselves and to recognize that God has placed him as the primary decision maker, the primary bearer of responsibility in your home. Now, for some of you, as you sit here, that sounds like a scary prospect because maybe your husband isn't that good at making decisions or doesn't take his responsibility very seriously. And you know what kind of results follow. But still, God says, that doesn't mean you allow your anxiety or fear of mistakes to overrule him and cause all kinds of problems. God says he needs your honor. Some men are very hard to respect. They don't act very honorably. Remember Abigail, dealing with Nabal the churl. A husband can at times be, some husbands are crass, uncaring, indifferent, maybe deeply selfish. He might make you carry all the mental load of running your household while he sits and acts like one of the kids. And you hear this and you think, how am I supposed to do this? That's a tough spot. But God is instructing you this morning that if you take the reins of responsibility from him and, and, and just bypass them altogether, that's not God's will. Well, you say, maybe it's worked out fine so far. That doesn't matter. This isn't a business. We don't regulate our behavior based on outcomes. We regulate our behavior based on God's will, God's word. And God knows that even though you're in a tough situation, you're doing your role well will eventually be better for your husband and consequently for your marriage in the end. Because God never meant for you as a dear wife to carry the responsibility of authority on your shoulders. He never meant for your husband to abdicate that authority. But he never meant for you to carry it either. And everything gets turned upside down and soon you wear out. And then what? As the wise designer, God who has made you and who knows you has spared you that immense burden of bearing the responsibility. And that should be a relief. Now, does that mean a wife just has to say, well, respect my husband, I'm not going to say. No, she has input. Absolutely. Your input should be the most valuable thing in the world to your husband. You're his helpmate. You're his queen. You're his confidant, his advisor, his compliment. The person on the back of the tandem bike has lots of say as to where they're going to turn. When the two work together harmoniously, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Any husband who doesn't carefully listen to his wife is clueless. Because your wife, husband, has intuition and wisdom and skill that you simply don't have. And you're blind if you don't see it. You're about to make a decision that affects your whole family. You sit down with your wife and she disagrees. What do you do? One man put it this way. When that happens, that's a huge red flag. He says, then I stop. I think about it. I talk with her more about it. 
I pray with her about it. I stall for as long as I can to make that decision. I don't want to make that decision because of that red flag. Until there's unity. Then we make the decision. And he said this, if I get into a situation where I have to make a decision and she still doesn't, doesn't agree, I'm the one responsible as we make that decision as a family. And then he said, if it turns out well, I don't go back to her and say, look how great I was. And if it doesn't turn out well, she doesn't come back to you and say, look how bad that was. Together, you move into the next phase. The one loving and, and honoring the wife. And the wife also honoring and showing that biblical respect to her husband. That's the picture God gives of submission. Your input, wives, your influence, your guidance, your perspective completes your husband. But then notice that submission, as Paul teaches it to us here, is very limited for wives. It's very limited, actually. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As wives, you're called to submit to nobody in this way except your husband. Not to your best friend's husband, not to any other man, only to your own husband. One man and one man only. And then notice that this submission is to be willing. We, we spoke of how it's recognizing God's authority structure and yielding to it. And that yielding is, is not forced, it's willing. It's voluntary. The, the verb, submit yourselves, verse 22, that word yourselves is actually built into the word for submit in the Greek. It's submit yourselves. It is to do so willingly from out of your own heart as impacted by God's truth. So willingly. And then you're also called to do so comprehensively with respect to your marriage. That the wives, verse 24, be subject unto their husbands, their own husbands, in everything. Now, obviously, if the husband is leading his wife into sin, you as wife must respect your greater husband, the Lord Jesus. You obey him first. But in all things lawful, there's this calling to follow him and to do so trusting that the Lord God in heaven, who has given you this husband, will care for you and for your marriage. Now, man, as you hear all of this, don't go home this morning and remind your wife of what she's heard today. And ladies, don't remind him of what his role is. Each focus on your own. And you focus on what you should do as husband, and that is to love her. The only responsibility that you as a husband has with regards to submission is to make it as easy as possible for her to submit to your leadership by being the most loving, godliest, Christ-like husband you can possibly be by the grace of God. And if you don't think that she's submissive and you sometimes maybe even talk to her and you mention that word, that's not the way to go about doing it. You get on with submitting yourself to those who you are under in authority, church, state, work, you model for your wife. You show her how submissiveness is done if you think 
She's not doing it. But hers to you is not your responsibility. She's answerable to the Lord for that, not to you. And it works both ways. His love invites her respect, and in reverse, her respect fuels his love. And the Lord has put these two things together, hand, like hand in glove, to function beautifully in marriage. Make it as easy as possible for your dear wife to do her part in marriage. And to do so, most importantly, you love her spiritually. Spiritually. It's after all the highest form of love, isn't it? You can love her physically, you can love her emotionally and socially and all. Spiritually. You're called under God to instruct her as a prophet in your home. To teach her. To talk to her and with her about God. About the Bible. Do you do that? Many men don't. This is your role. It's part of loving her. It's part of making it easier for her to submit to you. That means you have to know your Bible. God's roadmap for life. God's will for your life. That's what really matters. Do you think it's going to be easier or harder for her to respect you when, she, when you spend your spare time on all the things that you like to do. You're playing maybe your video games or you're polishing your hunting gear or you're hanging out with your friends when you never or rarely love her spiritually. Here she is. She's got all these needs all around her. You've promised at your wedding day to meet those needs, to care for her, to love her in ways she might not even realize she needs to be loved and you're all but ignoring her. You'd never run a business like that. You don't even buy a car like that. You're engaged, you're active, you're thinking, your brain's on. I heard an example recently of somebody in the doctor's office, husband, wife, child. Man's handed a clipboard to fill out all the details about the child, and he had no idea. When's the birthday? What's this? What's that? Just not connected. How do you expect her to submit when there's no leadership to speak of? And whenever you assert your authority, it's for your own selfish reasons. We're called as husbands to man up, to lead our families, to provide the mental and emotional and above all spiritual support and guidance, to teach our families in daily family worship, to open God's word, to tell them what it says and what it means, which which means that you have a lot of work to do yourself. Because leading a family is not for the lazy, the indifferent, the self-absorbed, or the absent. It's a lot of work. You have to care with all your heart. You have to be focused on them, and so easily, husbands, we can think about ourselves. But look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. How applicable in marriage and family life. To be mentally present. Sitting with your family is the most important customer meeting all day. Sitting before God as a family is the most crucial supplier meeting you'll have all day. Because He supplies everything. 
so you can help your wife be submissive. And she will respond if she hasn't already when you do that. Because when she sees you take your role seriously, she'll do the same. Love her spiritually by getting into the Word yourself so that your eyes go open and together with the Lord's blessing, you can learn, you can instruct, and be that means, as we saw last week, to present her to the Lord, to sanctify, verse 26, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. And wives, the same thing goes for you. Don't worry about what he's not doing and, and how he's not doing it. It's not your description to hold his feet to the fire. God will do that. And one of the most effective means he uses for your husband to love you is when you do your role conscientiously. It works. It really does. And then bear in mind that all of this, in our relationship on a horizontal level, one to another, as husband and wife, is done, first of all, to the Lord. In our text, Paul brings in a strong motive for this submission. He gives a reason for this submission that reaches far beyond your immediate relationship to your husband, wives. Verse 22, at the end, he says, as unto the Lord. Show deference to your husband. Show honor and respect to your husband as part of your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Look past. Look through your husband, as it were, to your great husband spiritually. And in submitting to your husband, submitting to the Lord. And so then even if your husband isn't what he should be, or he gives you no encouragement at all to rejoice and, and, and acknowledge his authority. That doesn't mean you get an exemption. But let this be your encouragement. That whenever you submit to him, you do so to the Lord. He may not notice your husband. He may not care or appreciate it. You pray for him that God will open his eyes. He may not understand all of this. But the Lord Jesus sees it. As one Puritan said, your heavenly husband, Jesus Christ, will account it as a service done unto him. And then in verses 23 and 24, Paul comes again to the picture which marriage points to, the picture of Christ and his church. He says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Church, Christ, wives, husband. Little picture. An imperfect picture. We can all speak to that from our own experience, those who are married. And yet it's the picture we're to aim for. Keep this duty in marriage before you because in it is actually a crystal clear gospel call to all around to this world that has so twisted and perverted and departed from what marriage really means true Christian marriage where a husband loves his wife 
And the wife defers to her husband and comes alongside him as his helpmeet. Is the most powerful preaching on marriage you can ever get. It's a clear gospel call. There's something here which this world can never give you. It's a gospel call to the children in your home as well as to the watching world. It's no wonder the world hates marriage so much. Satan, who's behind it all, hates marriage so much because it mirrors Christ and His church. What a calling. What a calling. And now this isn't some moralistic pep talk for you to go and be better married couples. Look to the Lord. Depend on His grace. Humble yourself under this word. Submit all of you under this word. All of us. And God will give grace. He is able through this amazing truth, the truths in this chapter, to transform the smoking rubble of the worst marriage into a beautiful palace where a king and a queen dwell together. And that's all for Jesus' sake, the one who heals, who cleanses from every sin, who went to the cross, who paid the penalty for sin, also sin in marriage. Sins of husbands, sins of wives. So he, can, he has the authority, same word, to wash that sin away. And he has the ability to grant to you his spirit, to grant you the grace you need to live in your marriage for the rest of your days until death do you part for his glory. Look to him. Be encouraged. And may he receive all the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and good-doing God who has given us all things necessary for life and godliness, take these words we pray of thine and burrow them into our hearts and minds and consciences that we would take them and that we would feed upon them and internalize them, that they would be blessed by thy Spirit to our hearts, and that this seed, as it has been sown into our lives this day and also last week in the morning about marriage, would be watered by prayer and by thy word and yield its blessed fruits of healthy and God-honoring marriages where husband and wife dwell together in the God-given gift of marriage, in love and respect, in unity. Lord, we pray, convict us where we have failed, help us where we are weak, and pardon every sin, we pray, even of this worship service. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be magnified as we go home this morning. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen.